Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, gentlemen, uh, tonight we are talking the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Um, Skuz, I know you have several thoughts and feelings when it comes to uh, the Gophers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we go on this. Uh, Minnesota coming off a really solid year last year. I mean, they were right there for the Western Division before uh, the Wisconsin game. Um, lost a little bit on offense. think they lost a little bit more on defense, though, right, John? I, so I want to say, first off the top, before we even get into the defense, and I think Scuzz is going to probably fold right into this. Like, I think it's been so wild that we've, you know, Minnesota, we were always going to be waiting a long time to do them in our summer previews. And then we had this whole layoff that added everything. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, we're doing this team. And I think it's just crazy we've waited so long because I don't think there's any team that the average fan understands worse than Minnesota. I think there's no, I don't think that there's any other team in the conference where what people think they are and what they actually are, are farther apart. Um, and, and, in multiple ways, but anyway, Fan, that's just, media member. I yeah, mean, exactly. I think it's, and I don't mean in terms of like, Oh, everyone thinks they're bad and they're awesome or everyone thinks they're awesome and they're bad. I just don't think people understand what this team is. And so with that said, I'll get to exactly what I mean from the defensive side of the ball. Um, so let me just say, to start off the bat, um, I know all of you out there listening, come to the Westlot Pirates for these detailed breakdowns you can't get anywhere else. Uh, so let me begin the Minnesota defensive preview like this. I have done the math, I've crunched the numbers, and I can report that last year, the gopher itself may have been golden, but the giant horseshoe crammed up its butt was a shiny silver, okay? <laughs> Let's start right there. Um, if you're looking for statistical analysis, wait, 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 wait. Can we balance like which horseshoe is bigger, Illinois or Minnesota's? Ooh. I know, and 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 we still have Illinois on deck, so we'll have to get there. But um, let's just say Minnesota has thrown down the gauntlet. Um, there will be no statistical analysis on that statement. Let me just say this team's crossover games last year included both Rutgers and Maryland. They played Nebraska. In the middle of a three-week stretch where the Huskers scored 27, 27 total points, and they got us, well, you all remember what last year was like for Northwestern from an offensive perspective. So if you look at the fact that the Gophers had the number three total defense in the conference, that's why. If you wonder how the Gophers could have the number three total defense in the Big Ten, but only the number seven scoring defense, it's because, unfortunately for Minnesota, they occasionally had to play working offenses last season. They gave up 35 points to Fresno State, 32 points to Georgia Southern, 31 points to Purdue, and 38 points to Wisconsin. Can I just interject, like, and I'm going to step on my offensive stuff a little bit, but like, with that stat in your mind, hear this. Minnesota's offense averaged 38 points per game through the first eight weeks of the season. And then when they started playing defenses with a pulse, that dropped to 26 points per game in the final four. And that's a good, I'm glad you inserted that because from, from not just me, but you can fold scuzz into, let me just say, this might sound a little bit like sour grapes, especially given, <laughs> especially given some of our predictions about Minnesota last year. Okay. 
So make no mistake, Minnesota was a very competent defensive football team last year. Competent. But what has me so annoyed is that we had this defense completely pegged going into last year. And then it benefited from a run of luck that is going to have people, like I said, totally misjudging where the Gophers currently are as a defensive football team. So basically, what we said before last season was this. Minnesota has been riding the same small core of holdovers from the previous coaching administration for years. And last year was going to be their last opportunity to do that before they had to find new contributors. And guess what? Every single statistical contribution the Gophers had last season is from a guy who is no longer on the team. Antoine Winfield, gone. Carter Coughlin, gone. Thomas Barber, gone. Kamal Martin, gone. Sam Renner, gone. Folks, this defense is back at square one. And thanks to this gleaming horseshoe that I was talking about earlier, there's this idea, I think, across the conference that Minnesota is going to reload. They are not. This team turns over every good player from its front seven and its best overall player in Winfield. People, we spent a lot of time last summer explaining the fact that Minnesota had that if Minnesota had other ponies in the stable, we were going to see them emerge last year. We did it. This team has Notre Dame transfer defensive tackle Micah Du Treadway back for a sixth year of, of eligibility at defensive tackle. He's the only returning starter up front, and he had 13 tackles last year. So what Minnesota has going for it is quality cornerbacks. Corey Durr and Benjamin St. Just are both very solid. But again, I really want to stress that the Gophers played some awful passing attacks last season. So those two guys can cover, but the guys in front of them didn't generate much of a passing attack uh, last season, pass rush last season, with Coughlin, who basically made their entire pass rush go for several years. So Minnesota's best returning pass rushers, uh, Boye Mafe and Asezi Odomewo, combined for five and a half sacks last year. And Mafe is a pass rush specialist who is not going to help against the run at all. And pass defense was Minnesota's strength last year. The Gophers' weak schedule papered over the fact that at times they were hammered on the ground last year. Um, So two years ago, Minnesota shocked Wisconsin behind excellent linebacker play. And then last year, with most of that linebacker core gone, Bucky put up 38 on the Gophers. The rest of the remaining core, Barber and Martin, is now gone as well. So that's it. That's all their linebackers. They're all gone. The best returning linebacker, Mariano Sori Martin, who played in all 13 games last year, had 42 tackles, two tackles for loss, and no sacks. So if things break the way that I think they could for this unit, please remember that you heard it here first. This, which again, was last year's number three total defense in the Big Ten and number two pass defense feels like a bad defensive football team. I don't see rising statistical contributors. I don't see overall depth. 
And I see this team moving in the exact direction we've been outlining for several years now. Right now, a lot of people are buying into the defensive mirage of this team. But I'm telling you, as soon as they play teams with decent offenses, that could be Michigan in week one, maybe, you know, it could be a Purdue Um you're going to see that this is a defense working through major issues, and hopefully we're going to be able to take advantage of that. So, Scuzz, uh, on the offensive side, I have to ask you, how are they going to replace the number one pick in the NFL draft last year, Tyler Johnson? <laughs> oh, that's, what, that's one of, um, I think, kind of three major problems that the offense is going to have this year. But first, first I need to continue to eat my gopher-flavored crow. Um, because unlike John, who did peg this defense pretty effectively last year, I whiffed pretty badly on this offense. Particularly, I, I think Tanner, we all did. Well, I mean, I like particularly Tanner Morgan, who who I claimed, I believe in last year's preview, something to the effect of, quote, the idea that he is just a lower volume version of Dwayne Haskins is absurd. Um, and then he came out last year and put up stats that almost rivaled Dwayne's Haskins stats in 2018. I mean, he did not come close to 50 TDs. He only threw 30, but still 30 TDs, 66% completion, well over 10 yards per attempt. Like that's damn good. Um, I think what, what I did not appreciate is that, you know, Tanner Morgan is not a physical specimen at QB and Kirk Chiaroka, the former offensive coordinator uh, at Minnesota, who's, who's been with, um, PJ Fleck for, for a long time now was with him at Western Michigan has a really interesting career actually like coach with Greg Schiano at Rutgers was uh was with Delaware before that so I mean this guy this guy coached Joe Flacco <laughs> just to throw that out there but yeah like Morgan's not a fantastic specimen the receivers you know all NFL draft jokes aside are quite quite talented right not number one overall pick talented but quite talented and Chiaroka was just extremely adept at getting the best out of these guys. And it's because his scheme is just a bevy of RPOs and slants. And he like, he just RPOs and slants defenses to death. And what Tanner does have is really, really effective decision-making skills to quickly identify the right read and the right target and get the ball out. And he did a great job with that, and as a result, their their offense performed well beyond my expectations. Now, coming into this year, and I'm going to get to some of the, the problems later, but let's start with some of the returning personnel. Um, they bring back Tanner Morgan. You could argue that he is the best quarterback um, in the West who's returning to his former team. Uh, they return their entire offensive line, which is quite good, and that was one of the, one of the things I cited last year is I thought their O-line – a, I thought their O-line was going to struggle in pass blocking, which that, that RPO scheme seems to have negated some of their problems there from the year prior. Um, but they're also very, very talented. Um, they bring back Darling running back from 2018, Mohamed Ibrahim, who was injured for a good part of, part of last year. But if, if folks recall the 2018 year, like he was really good. We were all pretty enamored with him. And most importantly, officially as of today, they bring back wide receiver Rashad Bateman, who was a revelation last season. Now, uh, Tyler Johnson, you mentioned Sammy, he was their number one receiver, 86 catches, um, 1300 yards, 13 TDs. Bateman was a little bit lower than that. I think only 60 catches, 
1,200 yards, 11 TDs. But Bateman was really Minnesota's biggest, baddest offensive threat last year. Um, he averaged 20 yards per reception. He was dynamite uh, down the field in, in adjusting to you know, one-on-one 50-50 balls. Like he almost kind of reminds me of Devin Smith from that Ohio State team that won the title in what, 2014? I mean, Bateman's much more physically imposing than Smith was, but Smith was a guy that like if, if the ball was up in the air and it's a question of who was going to come down down with it, he was always coming down with it. And I feel like every highlight I saw of Bateman was that kind of situation last year. He's not a huge wideout. He's only 6'2", but he just came out on top in all those 50-50 situations as well as being like ridiculously fast. He has great hands. So the fact that they get him back is, is massive. I mean, this offense would have been facing, I think a whole lot more problems without Bateman, but with him back, they have a true playmaker, a guy that should, I think probably get drafted higher than Tyler Johnson did this next season. He's not a first round draft pick. Again, he's only six, two, but I mean, here's where it gets interesting though. So I think certainly early last year, Bateman really benefited from teams focusing on Tyler Johnson. 40% of his yards came in the first four games. And let's not forget who those teams were that they played in the first four games. It was South Dakota State, Fresno State, Georgia Southern, and Purdue. Interestingly, the two, Johnson and, and Bateman, throughout the rest of the year, they really ping-ponged. Like, no, neither one of them, it, it was it was extremely rare that they both had a really good game. Penn State's really the only example of that where Bateman went for 200 and, and Johnson had 100 yards as well. But otherwise, generally, one of them was around like, I don't know, 60 or 70 yards and the other was was over 100 and then they'd, they'd flip flop. So like teams had to pick their poison last year. And that's one of the major problems coming in, into this year is that teams are not going to have to pick their poison at the, with the wide receivers. There's a couple other problems, but let me be clear. This Minnesota offense will still be good in 2020. Ibrahim's a really good running back. We saw that in 2018. He got injured last year. Um, uh, Rodney Smith was was good and fine, and so Ibrahim just didn't get you know as many carries. The offensive line that Minnesota has could be one of the best in the conference, especially blocking for the run. And like I said, you know, with Morgan, he's not the biggest, strongest, or fastest quarterback in the conference, but he's an A plus leader and a really good executor. But last year, seemingly everything went right for Minnesota. Go look at the highlights of Rashad Bateman's catches. Go count how many uh, games they lost to injury. Was not very many. Their turnover numbers, the efficiency they put up, it was a peak season for Minnesota. And there is just no way they can equal those numbers in 2020. So first, like Bateman, I think he's going to have a great year. But he is now going to be the focus of the defenses he plays. I don't believe he can be 100% shut down, but I don't see him making some sort of leap this year above last year's stats. And, and f- like, frankly, without Johnson, I think the expectation is that he probably steps back a little bit. I mean, he's going to get more targets, right? So he probably might have, he might have more catches. He might have more touchdowns. But th- the rate at which he gets those, the um, efficiency is going to be cut down a little bit. Confounding that whole situation. Well, so to, to add on to that, Chris Ottman Bell also returns. He's another guy. You know, they, they talked about this trio of receivers. Chris Ottman Bell is like the, the, the slot underneath guy that basically is like, hey, I'm open because everyone's terrified of these other two dudes. He's a fine receiver, but the idea that he and Demetrius Douglas, who's also returning, can just simply replace Tyler Johnson's production is not likely. Confounding that situation with the wideouts is that they've lost Kirk Chiroka, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, he went to Penn State. He's going to be Penn State's offensive coordinator. What's interesting, if I think about uh, his time at Western Michigan, and I think about 
um, Corey Davis, the amazing wide receiver that Western Michigan had there. If I think about Kenny Britt, who he coached at Rutgers, and then these Minnesota receivers, like Kirk Chiaroka has a track record of coaching unheralded guys up and making them pro prospects. And I think this is a huge loss for this receiver core. Now, Bateman is what he is, right? He's, he's, he's baked in the oven, and he's going to, again, come out and play really well this year. But without Chiaroka to – you know, further develop at the wide receivers without the impact that he had specifically on Tanner Morgan, without him calling the shots of this offense, the expectations that they're going to drop off at least a little. Let's remember what happened to Penn State after they lost Joe Moorhead, Ohio State after they lost Tom Herman, even Northwestern after they lost Kevin, after they lost Kevin Wilson. This is what happens when a really good offensive coordinator leaves. You have a drop off. And then lastly, the the schedule that, you know, John already was talking about, and I, I, I jumped in, South Dakota State, Fresno, Georgia Southern, Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Maryland. 38 points a game against that slate of defense optional teams. San Diego State might have been the best of those defenses, let's be clear, and that's the team they only scored 28 against. South Dakota and then, State? So yeah, South Dakota State. What did I say? San Diego. No, no, no. South, yeah, South Dakota State. Sorry. Um and then, yeah, against Penn State, Northwestern, Iowa, and Wisconsin down the stretch, they averaged 26. You know, you wipe away that creamy frosting. You trade Rutgers for Michigan. I just, like, with these three factors, I think there's no chance this offense can match last year's stats, even though they're still going to be decent and they're returning a lot of talent. And, like, I think everybody out there is just expecting them to make some incremental improvement because most of the players are coming back, and I think that's nonsense. I also want to posit uh, another possibility, and yes, the the, the their schedule was extremely backloaded last year as, as far as the talented teams. But you also consider the weather. You know, this season everything is shifted later. So while they had two November games um, and a late October game last year, this year you're looking at uh, outdoor games December fifth. November 21st, November 14th, and October 24th. So you're, you know, starting off the season into the cold or into what should be cooler, if not outright frigid temperatures. Um, and then, you know, this season, the schedule is not as, you know, padded on the front as, as it was last year. Open up at home against Michigan. Um, then they're at Maryland, at Illinois, home against Iowa. Home against Purdue, at Wisconsin, home against us, and then at Nebraska to finish off the season before the uh, crossover game against East Division team to be named later. So, you know, it, this one is a, much more homogenized. I mean, they do have the at Maryland, at Illinois combo early. So, but uh, Michigan, who knows what, well, who knows what Michigan is? You know, we, we've talked about that. In the past, a, a lot, a lot better than anybody they played in their crossovers last year. Say sure. Penn State. No, absolutely. I think Sam, you talk about the cold weather, and I think that goes right with um, what I think. Even after what we've both said, I still feel like a bunch of you out there are listening, and there's a voice in your head telling you, right? Well, yeah, the games are shifted later, but Minnesota is the kind of team that can do well in cold weather. Admit it. There's part of you in your voice that wants this team to be Wisconsin light, and they're not. This team is a lot closer to P.J. Flex' last Western Michigan team. 
that's more like what this is, right? Instead of Corey Davis, you've got Rashad Bateman. You've got a good line. You've got a good quarterback getting him the ball. Not much on defense. That was a good football team, a very good football team that I think played, what, in the Cotton Bowl? Is that right? Uh, yes, it was Cotton Bowl. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just telling you that's the kind of team he's been building for several years. But I'm telling you, if Scuzz is talking about a potential drop, however small in the offense, I'm here to tell you last year was their sweet spot year. It's not just they, that they got lucky. Um, it's that they had this awesome offense that had Johnson alongside Bateman, just like Scuzz said, and had the last vestiges of this defensive, uh, this defensive culture, all of whom were completely relied upon. And I'm telling you, there isn't more of that. PJ hasn't been recruiting those guys. The big recruits have been on the offensive side of the ball. And Scuzz is right. Their offense, I'm sure, is going to be good. But I think a lot of people are probably saying, like, okay, well, there's the easy half of the schedule and the soft half of the schedule. And then it would depend whether you put which side you put Purdue on, which side you put Northwestern on. But I'm telling you, Maryland, Illinois, Purdue, and Nebraska – are all wired roughly the same way Minnesota's going to be. Much better on offense than they are on defense. So on the surface, you can look at those four games, probably not Purdue, but the other three and be like, well, Minnesota's the better team here. And it's like, well, probably they are, I guess. But if you look at all the offensive ponies on, say, a Nebraska, potentially, or even, say, a Maryland, potentially, um, a lot of that matches up with what Minnesota's got. Um, now, some of those teams don't have Morgan, and that makes a big difference. But I think people view Minnesota as this tough, hard-nosed team that those teams aren't. And that's not what those games are going to be like. Those are going to be point-trading shootout games. And, I, 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 and maybe I, Minnesota wins those, but maybe they don't. I do think that they can control the, the game through the run and and attack with play action like in that in that sense minnesota has tried to build themselves in the mold of wisconsin but the the defense is not even close and coming off of last year's i mean the, the gophers last year had every right to believe that they could win the the division and and beat wisconsin i mean they had beaten wisconsin the year prior right um, right yeah and the badgers just steamrolled them and the 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 reaction coming out of it was dang they they are so much more physical than we are and we're like that's what we're aspiring to be and we're just not there yet and now that the again the running game their offensive line i think they can i think they can play bully ball but the 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 d won't be able to hold up the interesting thing about this their home field and weather etc is that that's a heated stadium um, or a heated field so I don't think it's that big of a unless it's actually snowing. Um, I don't think it's it's actually that big a deal. Do we know to what level? I mean, this stadium the it's heated. I mean, so yeah, so, you're, so you're not gonna the, you're not gonna get like frozen turf, right? No, but, it's because when the when the because when the Vikings played two seasons there, the NFL required the Gophers to install NFL level equipment um, so that the field could be would be safe during the, the winter months. Right. So, so you're not, so it's not, it's you're not, not getting balmy, fr- like you're not 60 frozen. degrees down there. No, no I mean, it's the, the it's, air temp, the air temp is the air temp. I mean, yeah. and like the it, wind is the wind, but the field's just not going to freeze. You're not going to get the rock hard patches uh, that, you know, 
could be that were problematic. Yep. Yep. It's not, it's not going to, it's not going to be like playing on Wisconsin's AstroTurf uh, on, uh, on November 28th. Oh, geez. It's, it's crazy though. I mean, and again, we, you know, I mentioned sour grapes right off the top and yeah, we had a little bit of calibration off on this team, but you look at this schedule and then you realize Minnesota's over under is six and a half wins oh. on, on what schedule. Then that's what I'm saying. I'm saying people don't understand. They're over under on wins is what Michigan's is. People don't understand um, what this team is. And like Michigan, Wisconsin, and Northwestern are way better on defense than this team is. But again, I'm not saying like that that means Minnesota is not a uh, good football team. I'm just saying this is a team that's not going to have a very good defense and is going to have the ability to maybe run the ball and do some things on offense. They may be one of the best offenses in the West. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time... But they could also lose five. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. At the same time, you could argue that if Purdue finds a quarterback, Purdue does everything Minnesota does better. Um, And the only difference is last year's record. Um, And we all know what happened to Purdue relative to injuries last year. Um, and Minnesota, I mean, Michigan, Wisconsin and Northwestern, again, Scuzz made a good point for this is a very decent offense that nonetheless ground its gears against some of the better defenses in the conference last year. So, I mean, PJ has built the team he's been trying to build. It is built in the Western Michigan model, but he has the ability to recruit better players and he's worked his butt off to do that. Um, and I think he's really kind of started to build this high-flying, offense-strong team. And, you know, it's a good model. Like, I mean, he's it's like he's going to run it. But I think people don't quite understand that I think last year was their sweet spot year. Last year was the year that the stars aligned. And I think everyone seems to think that that was like a jumping-off point. And I, there's, there's nothing for them to jump off to. I think that was it. Um, and I think now the question is, you know, how many of these high scoring games can they win? And it ain't going to be six and a half out of eight. Yeah, I was going to say, with, with, with six and a half, does that count champion week? It's because it, I could pr- I could probably, buy it if it counts champion week, because then you're looking at like, all right, Mich- Michigan, Wisconsin are losses. And then I- Iowa, Purdue, Northwestern are the fulcrum points. They get all those games at home. Maybe you could buy it depending who they get on the on the on the last week of the year. I mean, again, it's like you're saying that, first of all, leave all those games out, right, of Maryland, Illinois, and Nebraska, all of whom are, in many ways, awful football teams, but all have one thing in common, which is that they have offensive playmakers, and I don't think Minnesota's going to be able to stop those teams. So we're just assuming that Minnesota's going to roll because they have a bunch of defensive players in the NFL now, like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> they don't like those guys don't get to play anymore. And there are going to be a lot of like high thirties, forties games here. Um, and, you know, Vegas is just assuming that Mi- that uh, Minnesota is winning all of those. So again, I, they're going to be a fun team to watch. They've got a great quarterback, a great wide receiver, a good line, a good running back. They're going to score points. Um, and they're going to have a winning record. I would almost guarantee that. But, man, they're getting a lot of credit for truths that just don't exist. Well, have, having a winning record is four wins. Right, true. So, I mean, Maryland, I mean, Illinois, 
Nebraska. There, that's three right there. So right. just one more, and and you're at 500 for the season. And let's call a spade a spade. They could beat us. Sure. Right? Like no, like, for sure. I mean, the expectation that we have for Northwestern going in there this year is is that our defense is going to be great and we should be able to uh, hang with these guys. But you know, our offense, we have a lot of high hopes, but remains to be seen, right? So sure. I mean, I just it's one of those things, right? Where and and right, like you you don't want to be guilty of being too much of a homer, but. If you're looking for Northwestern and you're being like, all right, what's the recipe for Northwestern having one of the most complete teams in the West? Well, if Coach Jake, you know, creates the kind of offensive leap leap that we think is possible and Peyton Ramsey is the answer at quarterback, well, that kind of locks a ton of pieces into place. (laughs) Hello. And all of a sudden we have a good offense and we already had a good defense. Just as a point of reference, like for Minnesota to talk themselves into having a good defense next year, they basically have to talk themselves into nine guys who haven't contributed yet, all being good. That's what it takes. Um, so again, like that's what the gap is for them. So, I mean, again, it, and they're, they're a different profile of team than us. Um, and they're certainly a different profile of team than Michigan. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, when they get punched in the mouth the first week of the season and don't get to play right. Like directional Dakota where, you know, where things break for them. Well, let's go ahead and leave the Gophers there. Um, we will... Au revoir, Gopher. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Waiting for it. Um, yeah, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about them later on in the season when we see them uh, December 5th, so uh, the week after Thanksgiving. <clears throat> so we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates, and email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the west side of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.